show quickly becoming one of my favorite guests dr carlin is back with us to break it down she is a fierce warrior she wants you to know the truth and she will go wherever she has to find it thank you for joining me my friend hey thank you for having me back again i love being here mel you're the best oh you are too and uh god and i get so much strength from you because you don't take any bs and you do the work i mean you do a lot of work that other people don't have to do. And I see your work then shared out there a lot, which makes me happy. Now, last week when we booked this, you had just infiltrated something that my audience needs to know about. So uh, let's start there with uh, your your last undercover uh, infiltration. Yeah, so this was actually my biggest event infiltration ever. And what I did was I went inside the National Sex Ed Conference. And I specifically, I've been wanting to go inside this conference for a full year because last year there was a keynote at this conference called Autistic Sex Education. Now, this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I I happened to infiltrate the training that the person who gave the keynote at the conference gave earlier this year. He was talking about teaching autistic kids how to masturbate without their parents knowing, teaching them how to talk dirty, teaching them how to use sex toys. This is all going on in public schools right now. If people want to see the full training, it is still live on my YouTube channel to this day. But that came from the National Sex Ed Conference last year. So this year it rolled up and I'm like, I'm absolutely infiltrating this. And it was so great because they put most of their presentations online virtually. So I didn't even have to leave my house. And, you know, some of the things that they were talking about were were pretty crazy, I have to say. Well, let's get into it because parents don't know this. I was just talking to you before I came on. Uh, we had done a show on UNESCO and this comprehensive sexuality education. Sexuality. It's not, it's not what you and I got when we were in school and they taught us about STDs and, and condoms. This is a whole new level of insanity. And then I saw that they were partnered up with Planned Parenthood uh, also in this realm. So I'm assuming that Planned Parenthood probably was also involved with what you're doing. Now, are these, again, is this socialist and communist type based education? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, and so anytime you hear the words comprehensive sex ed, or it's actually funny you bring up sexuality education because they are trying to change the name of sex ed to sexuality education. Um, that's going to be that, that is all from, from a far left political ideology. And so what people need to understand is that sex ed is not what it was when like you and I were in school. Like we had like the two week curriculum in health where we right, all learned exactly. how to put them on a banana and it was right. really embarrassing and we like played with them and shot them. And it's like, it's like, like, that's not what's happening anymore. In fact, there was a keynote at the National Sex Ed Conference, and, and people are welcome to find this on my Substack, in where they actually laid out an entire sex ed curriculum starting in grade three, going up through 12. And the only reason they were starting in grade three is it happened to be given by someone who was working at a private all-girls school that was that that literally starts at grade three. So they don't have grades before that. And basically what this curriculum is, is they're introducing social justice activism they're doing gender ideology this is all starting in elementary school and so this is no longer just teaching kids about like how not to get pregnant and how not to get an std this is about indoctrinating them into a far left ideology where they are literally training them to be activists from the time that they're eight years old and what does it really mean when they're talking because they're saying what i was reading in some of the the literature 
was uh, that it, this is also a, a taking away the parental rights. This, this is along the lines of not only, you know, are, are your human rights, your sexual rights and your gender rights, but it's none of your parents' business on top of that. That that's exactly right. There was actually an entire session at the National Sex Ed Conference called Do Parents Have Rights in Sex Education? And this was actually one of the first clips that I released. There's about a half hour clip. It's on my YouTube. It's on my Substack. It's on my Twitter, all that stuff where you have these presenters literally talking about how parents do not have rights when it comes to the sex ed education of their child, that they share the rights over their children with the government, with schools, with teachers, with the community. They were talking about how it's the community community's responsibility to educate children about sex. They specifically called out religious leaders. And I was like, when has that ever gone wrong before? I'm not, right. This is like a horrible idea. But no, I mean, they, they the people that are teaching this to your kids quite literally believe that parents have a peripheral role in the process at best. And really, they should just keep their noses out of it and let the professionals do their job. I mean, it is it is so shocking here at this level, especially because, you know, there are a lot of parents out there that try to take their kids and teach them about God or religion, whichever religion it is. And this is part of that. And here they're then they're going to school. And then there's an element of, of teaching the children that it is none of their parents business. So it's they're getting involved in all of this stuff. And at the same time, they're putting a wedge between parent and child actively. Well, it's not even just that they're teaching them that it's none of the parents' business. It's that they are quite literally telling kids, don't tell your parents about this because if you do, they might kick you out of the house and they're not going to love you anymore. And and that that's a true story. That actually happened to a friend of mine. There's a woman out in Colorado. She goes by Erin for parental rights on, uh, on Twitter. She's actually was in a, a lawsuit with a Colorado public school that just got dismissed and has the most socialist opinion ever. It's, a, it's actually crazy. I was reading it earlier. But anyway, she actually... Her, her daughter was going to school and she was put in this after school art program. It was literally called like an art club in which she was taught LGBT and queer ideology and came home with all sorts of glitter stuff and rainbow stuff. But the, the, the advisor of the club told her, don't tell your parents about this because they're not going to love you anymore. Oh my God. This is so sick and sad uh, to watch. Uh, now, now let's talk a little bit about you. You give out a lot of advice out there. You, you, you seem to me to be somebody who's just interested in getting the truth out and, and not really you know, like I, I don't believe that there's a left or right or Republican and Democrat. I think people that still believe that that's true are completely brainwashed. Um, but Let's talk a little bit because you um, are watching this from a perspective of you actually have done this heavy lifting. You you know, you're a doctor. You've studied this. You've gone through all the stuff and people are still not understanding um, that a lot of what is happening is socialism um, having infiltrated all of our uh, institutions. And so your one of your big messages is that people aren't understanding these buzzwords that are used over and over again. So I, w I wanted to ask about a couple of them. Like, is one of them, uh, you know, sustainable? Because I keep telling people these sustainable development goals, they're not sustainable in the sense that most people think. What what is so like? Let's let's talk about 1984 Newspeak. So yeah. what does sustainable mean to these people? So I wouldn't say that they're using sustainable specifically as coded language, at least not the ones that I look at, because we 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 can kind of sometimes look at different groups where you're looking at the WEF Malthusians. I'm looking at the radical revolutionary socialists. They they hate each other. They're going to fight. Right. At some no, that's another thing people should know. Right. That they're not on the will, same team. 
No, they are not on the same team at all. But but what I will say is in regards to climate change, the climate change agenda, which is where sustainable comes from, of course, right. they are very actively and, and they talk about this in their trainings. They have they're trying to hijack any sort of like legitimate uh, concerns about climate change or the environment, and they're using it to drive socialist policies. So what they say in their trainings, and again, this is all video I have on my channel, people can check it out if they want to, is that um, climate change was created by capitalism because these evil bourgeois business owners were pushing for profits ahead of people and so because they put profits ahead of everything else they made bad business decisions that polluted the environment and so the only way to fix climate change is to quite literally get rid of capitalism they're also talking about taking the because socialists want to own the means of production right so when it comes to energy production i watched a video on my channel maybe three weeks ago where they were talking about how they want to they want to control the gas they want to control the heating they want to control travel they want which by the like when when the government starts to control gas and heating and travel that means that they control who gets access to those right. things so exactly. they're going to try to control whether right. you heat your home in the winter whether or not you have lights on whether or not like how far you can actually travel i mean you can kind of think of that classic image of like north korea and south korea where yeah. north korea has no lights on at night and south korea is beautiful and bright that's yeah. what we're talking about here Wow, that is amazing. And you know, what's scary about that is that you see the climate change agenda now has merged not just with social justice, but also the World Health Organization is claiming that climate change is now a health issue. So when you put it all together, it becomes very um, you know, it's gray. There, there's no there's no definitions anymore. Now, another definition out there, and I want you to explain this yet again, but you know, sometimes you have to go through it many times. Um, so I'm sure you're seeing what I'm seeing. So there's there's three movies coming out. One is uh, uh, something called like The Magical Negro. Uh, it is a movie by Fo Focus Features where in the uh, trailer, it said the guy says that the most dangerous animal on Earth is the white person. That's uh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, we have uh, uh, Obama's movie on Netflix that, uh, you know, you have the the black mother say to the black child that don't trust the white people. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Civil War movie coming up. We can't even imagine how how filled with uh, with with positive <laughs> positive things that is. So what is uh, for my audience? Because a lot of people still say like. What is this white supremacy? There's and they and you see and they put up like facts about murder and and black on black white and they're like, see, it's not white supremacy. Can you tell my audience what they actually mean because it, it's still not getting through and it's it's a hard concept. It, it it really is hard, and there are so many influencers that are utilizing this to rile up their audience to make money right. through likes and clicks and outrage content on the internet. And so I I really do understand why people see it the way they do. But you have to understand that when you actually listen to what these people are saying, when they're talking about whiteness or white supremacy, they're not referring to skin color. They're not referring to individuals. They're not saying like you think that white people are better than black people. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the system that upholds what they consider to be whiteness. Now, whiteness is essentially a code word for capitalism. Let me explain how this works before people are like, oh, this person's crazy. Okay, no, no, so no. I'm about to explain what socialists teach in their trainings. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm saying that they believe right. this. 
So they teach that capitalism, which they define specifically as private property ownership, is responsible for slavery in America. They're only interested in America, by the way. They don't care about slavery anywhere else. There's still slavery going on in the world today, but they only focus on America. Why do they only focus on America? Because they believe that if they can enact socialism here, they can do it anywhere. So we are we are the the tip of the spear for what they care about. So capitalism, which they define as private property ownership, created slavery in America. Slavery created systemic racism through racial disparities. So when 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 the institution again, this is what they believe, the institution of slavery resulted in racial disparities and outcomes between white people and black people where like white people make more money, et cetera, et cetera. Black people are more likely to live in impoverished areas. Um, what they say is that that's systemic racism referring to the system and the system they're referring to is capitalism. So I know this seems convoluted and weird, um, but every single time they're referring to whiteness or white supremacists, they're actually referring to the capitalist class, the bourgeois class, the people who own the power structure. And here's what people really need to understand, because everyone has seen this show up. You don't need to have white skin to be considered a white supremacist. Like Larry Elder was called the black face of white supremacy by the Los Angeles Times. Kanye West has been called a white supremacist. Jay-Z has been called a white supremacist. Byron Donalds has been called a white supremacist. Thomas Sowell has been called a white supremacist. None of these people are white because it is not about the color of your skin. It is about who promotes the system of capitalism. And if you are on the wrong side of their political ideology, they will call you a white supremacist because they believe that's what you are when you're a capitalist. Yeah. And it's, this is where they really get people. It is straight out of like, uh, you know, I was reading, uh, I was looking for some quotes for a speech I gave out of 1984 and I came across across the whole part on Newspeak and I thought of you and it's just, people really have to understand because it was shocking in in, in reading that book or any book that's uh, about this kind of thing. You know, you read it, but you don't realize this is really happening right now. Now, let me ask you, because it's very confusing. So, uh, of course, Kathy Hochul, uh, just decided to start her own reparations, uh, you know, investigative committee. What do these uh, these hardcore socialists, which, listen, everyone watching, there are a lot more than you think, and we'll get into that, and it's really very scary. Um, what is their take on reparations? Because that would seem to go against their ideology. Well, it's actually funny. So I've actually been in many Twitter spaces with people who are pushing reparations and they're not actually socialists. So again, this is one of those things where it gets really, really nuanced, where there is a community that's pushing reparations and their arguments make more sense than people might believe. But my point is, is that they're not pushing it because they're hardcore socialists. They're not pushing it because they want to undermine America. There is a legitimate reparations movement who makes some good points and maybe is something people want to consider. Maybe not. Either way is fine. But um, do socialists push reparations the only reason that they and i actually haven't heard them talk about it extensively it's kind of one of those things where it's dropped maybe every once in a while i could see them reparations is not something they really care about but i could see them pushing it if it would allow them to gain power or resources in some way but it's like so you're looking at um places like the city of san francisco where what did they say that they were going to award like two million dollars per black family or something like that well that's going to drain the city of resources that's going to be fundamentally destabilizing to society i think that they would like it from that perspective but it's not one of their big issues that i've heard them talk about a lot 
Now, uh, that brings me to, uh, obviously, you know, Cloward Piven's strategy and, and what is going on with that. Is that a socialist movement? Because that is about overwhelming our resources to collapse the entire social uh, safety net system. Is that, are they, were they social? They're out of Columbia, obviously. Um, yeah. Is that something that is still being practiced? And and that is that part of their plan also to destroy that, the system that is in place right now for social safety nets? Um, well, they want to get rid of all, they want to abolish our entire form of government. So yeah, I could definitely see that to be a strategy. Um, what I tell people is that the four goals of the woke left are always and forever the same. Number one, gain as much power as possible. Number two, destabilize our system. Number three, attack capitalism. Number four, usher in their Marxist utopia. So destabilization, overwhelming the system with like resource requests and right. more than the system can ever provide. Of course, that's going to, that's going to create problems. Then people are going to say, you know what? What really caused all these problems? Capitalism. Capitalism is the source of all our problems. We should just get rid of it. Bring in Marxism. If we bring in Marxism, you're going to have all the resources you need. You aren't going to need this social safety net system anymore because right. we're just going to pay for everything. Because so the, the argument that they're making is quite literally they will pay for your home. They will pay for your education. They will pay for your health care. They will pay for your travel. They'll pay for your food. Everything will be provided by mommy and daddy government. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. And so I can definitely see that as a strategy where they're trying to to overwhelm the system of government so that they're causing problems that cause real people pain. Yeah. And I guess that they they uh, they must think that they have pull in the in the area that they're not talking about, which is track and trace surveillance, because what they are saying about all of this stuff is is, you know, there would still be at this point. It's too late, in my opinion, uh, with all the technology, even in a bunch of these uh, uh Biden um, executive orders. There's ledger technology, blockchain technology. We know the phones are watching us. All these apps are watching us. They're taking all our data. Uh, you know, they're scraping. I, I think everyone probably right now is a dossier on themselves that big tech has, has uh, put together. So what do these people, do they talk about big tech at all? Do they talk about their personal data? Uh, this aspect of um, track and trace surveillance of the individual, you know, a, a lot of the people that were freaking out about the executive order or 14067 on the central bank digital currency, weren't also looking at the idea that they are talking about taking away the uh, human's ability to do their own taxes and making taxes be also AI based and that there would be, you know, it would be the, between the IRS and the individual, no, nobody in the middle. Um, how do they feel about technology, especially the technology that uh, would, would trace and track them? You know, this is actually an ironic question. So I haven't heard them talk about this extensively, but what I have heard them talk about is they don't like a lot of this stuff. In fact, you know, it, it's funny. It's, it, sometimes I actually hear the socialists complaining that they're being censored. They're being banned by big tech. They're being censored on all these platforms. They're being, so they actually have very similar complaints to what conservatives have um, in regards to, they don't feel like they can get their message out. They feel like the establishment's trying to keep them down as well. I mean, there, there is something to be said for the fact that there, there is something very populist and compelling for because it's a populist movement about kind of some of the things they're pushing. Um, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that I can understand why other people right. would in terms of like returning power to the individual, like, well, they perceive it returning power to the individual, but taking it away from these overlords that are just trying to keep everyone down. They're actually afraid of this stuff, I think, as much as the right is. And so I don't know. Every once in a while, there's kind of an odd alliance that we can have with these people on like a single issue. And maybe we should just take advantage of it at the end of the right. day because we're all the, the the hands of the overlords and then we'll have to duke it out for the rest of the stuff.
But that's what I think. And I say this a lot. This is why you have a very unique, uh, to me, uh, perspective and, and how you go about things is very unique because we're at a point where if you are on, if you're picking a side, a team, I, I, I like to think me and Rob are just like in a bubble over here trying to figure out what's going on. But um, if you are picking one of these collectives, whether it's socialism, uh, right, left, you know, you think you're still a Republican or Democrat, whatever it is, or you're in one of these groups, um, you know, there is a place at this point where uh, society and, and discourse has become so, uh, I just think, I don't, I don't, it's terrible. It's very sad because when you and I were in college, especially in our undergrad years, like it was like debate was still like, that was the point of going to class for me. If it wasn't going to be fun and we weren't going to be arguing about, you know, some kind of big issue with all different thoughts and it wouldn't have, class wouldn't have made sense to me. But um, you have the ability somehow to, to see the common ground. I, I hate to say common ground because, you know, they move the thing. But um, what's happened to discourse is, I, I want your take on that because, um, so let's just, I'll just give you an example on, on the right. Uh, cause I was just, uh, traveling to different couple conservative things. If you are pro-life on the right and you meet somebody who's also pro-life, but they think that if, uh, the mother's health is in danger or of rape or incest, uh, that, you know, then it's, uh, it's up to the woman. Let's, let's say that that's somebody. Well, the people that are super pro pro-right will then say, I mean, pro-right pro-life will say, then you're not really pro-life. Right. <laughs> and, and then they, then they'll go the next step of, and you're wrong. You know, it, it's not, we're not having like a nuanced conversation. And I, and I, that can go on the other side. I, I hate to use this one issue because it's just the easiest one for everyone to go crazy over because nobody's ever going to agree. And frankly, I think it's a personal issue and shouldn't be political at all. But, um, and then on the, on the other side, pro-life if you say, well, I'm pro-life, but, you know, if, if it's seven months and, and the fetus is viable outside the womb, you know, that that seems to me like a, a problem. So either one of those, then the other people will say, well, not only do I disagree with you, but you're wrong and maybe you're wrong and I don't want to talk to you. How did they how did we get here? And is there any road back? I mean, it, it, it's baffling to me that we're at this place, to be honest, because I, I come from this like I come from the organizational psychology world. So right. being able to listen to different groups just for me is and being able to compartmentalize and kind of decipher between those groups. That's like second nature to me. I did that for years. And so when I'm and I think that part of this is that people have lost their ability to actually listen to each other. They're not listening. They're waiting to talk and they're waiting for something where they they think you've made a point where they can twist it out of context or they can twist it to mean something you didn't mean so that they can get a point in on the debate board. And it's just like it ruins discourse. And it, and, and both sides are, are doing this. I mean, there is absolutely infighting on the left over all the things that they mm -hmm. want to do. They don't always agree. But from what I see, the right is actually even worse than this, because if you disagree on one little thing, they will smear you they will defame you they will try to destroy you they will drag your friends and family through the mud just for knowing you it really is quite insane and i think like you know it's it almost to me is like a helplessness like they don't know what to do they don't know how to fix the problem so instead they create all this infighting and nonsense because it makes them feel productive when it's not so i like how do we come back from this i think that 
where I'm where I've decided to focus on is just like individuals that want to come yeah. back from it that want to learn because it's like that's really all you can reach that's all you can do is like people have to want to show up and if they don't yes. want to show up we can't make them exactly exactly and a lot of it has to do with like ego and like I think especially on the right because I know the right better than I mean I see what's going on it does appear that the left does walk in lockstep but I do a lot of shows on following the money and when you do see that some of these billionaire oligarch globalists uh, that I believe are involved in the controlled demolition of America, I call it, they fund all of these same same different groups. And some of them are yeah. for LGBTQ+, some are for the, the border, some are for climate. But you're going to find the Rockefeller Foundation there. You're going to find Open Society. You're going to find the Gates Foundation. You know, they're very committed to all of those sides. On the right, we don't really... Uh, see that much of that. It is, and they are not organized. They are not walking in lockstep. They are not oligarch. They can call out the Koch brothers. I don't think they've been involved in on the on the grassroots level in a very long time. So to me, the right, as you say a lot uh, in your commentary, has huge disadvantages because of their inability to do what you've done for a living, which is organize organizational psychology and getting together and and looking at the bigger picture. What would you say to to because we've been in meetings and groups and gone to events where that I get invited into. And these are people that are, are pretty big in different factions of the of the right or conservative movement. And they always say at, the, at these meetings, we got to go all get on the same page. We got to get all on the same talking points. We got to stop doing this. You know, I'll show my big my big chart of like all the NGOs that are involved that are really pushing the stuff on the other side, including the ADL, Southern Poverty Law Center, the smear, you know, the smear merchants. Then you have the HRC. All the, I'm like, they're all on the same page. They all put out the same stuff. You know, what would you say to the right that is so fractured and there seems to be multiple different factions and then they're like, they're like, I call them Twitter liberties and then they're yeah. Twitter liberties and then they they fight each other and they're, it's like, what, what would you suggest to these people that they get together because uh, 2024 is going to be really rough if they're all on different teams? Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, Mel K Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile and we hope you do too. Thank you so much. 
I would say the very first thing they need to do is everyone needs to put aside their ego and everyone needs to put aside the nonsense and everyone needs to stop attacking each other and twisting what people are saying to get like, like, the, like my experience, like it wasn't like this a couple of years ago. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but like, right, like in 2020, it was not like this. It started like this after Joe Biden took office and then all of the rights started infighting with each other. And it was like this giant competition for content and attention. Oh, yeah. And I'm only going to promote my friends and I'm right. going to you know smear anyone who's not my friend because my friends are going to help me and it's like and it was just like it became a, a it became a reality show is what it became and it's like the people who are who are like high profile on the right right now they're like the best at reality tv well guess what guys reality tv is not going to solve the problem it's like it's a trash fire we all know that we watch reality tv to feel better about our lives the entire political right is a reality tv show right now I and agree. so if i had to um give some advice i would say the very first thing is that people need to acknowledge that clickbait outrage content is not going to solve the problem people need to start calming down they need to they need to start listening to what the left is doing i mean this is my whole thing you know, know. you you watch my show i do this for hours every single week you listen to what the left is saying because if you listen to them not to own them not to debunk them not to like call them crazy they will tell you exactly what they're doing once you understand what they're doing that's when you can create strategies to go around them and i think that one of the big things that the right really sucks at is they do not have a vision for america America. They like Vivek Ramaswamy is actually really great at this. Vivek has a vision for what he wants to do when he is when he becomes president, which is not going to happen. But but in but in my dream world where it did, because I right. love him, like he has a vision. He says, this is what I want America to be. And these are the values that I want America to have in the entire time that I have been paying attention to to the political right, which is now it's coming up on four years now um, that I kind of got thrown into this space. They have not had a cohesive vision of what they want to do. The, the Republican Party platform hasn't been updated since 2012. Like yeah. and I, I asked all the time, like, OK, so you get into power. What do you do? And they say, we're not the left. Well, OK, but what do you want to do? What do you like? What do you want? What values do you want to push? You can't create the reason that the left is so great at owning culture and like entertainment and the arts is because they know what they want to do. You can't create culture around something when you can't define what that is. Yeah. And oh, so my God. My That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. You know, what's so important when I was I, when I was young, like 17, 18, and I, I took acting class. I remember that there was a class just about listening. And it was at MOU and there was a class just about listening and, and how people don't know how to listen and that they don't listen and that people are often. And it was like, it's actually hard when you're trying to do it because you can't think about what the next line is. You can't think about what your comeback is. If you're really listening and, and not thinking of how you're going to respond, I think people don't really know, like you're bringing up here. It's really important. I think people don't know what really listening is if they, if they do it at all. Again, also Things are very much social media and clickbaited. And um, something you also talk about a lot is people's emotions are, are often their worst enemy, especially when trying to do this. And I think that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, especially uh, on this fervent right uh, side that you're talking, is is emotion based. And and like you said, these these people that you you cover, they're not. They kind of put their. They're not emotion based. They're they're goal oriented. And I think that the emotional side. People should start realizing if somebody that you're following is constantly triggering you emotionally, you probably shouldn't shouldn't follow them. 
oh my god it's one of the easiest things in the world like stop hate watching people stop hate following people it's like it's like the dumbest like why are you giving so much energy to people who drive you insane it makes no sense at all but going back to this idea of listening and i think that this is you know this i used to actually teach listening classes in organizations when i was doing corporate consulting and listening is very very hard listening is about understanding what another person believes and how they see the world regardless of how you feel about it and being able to articulate that back to a person in a way that they would agree with it. So I think what happens a lot in politics is we listen to get those gotcha moments, right? Like someone gives like an hour long speech and then you'll cut out 20 seconds of that speech and say, aha, got you, you you said this thing. And, and even if the person comes back and says, well, that's not what I meant. Here's what I meant. They're saying, no, 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 this is what really? you said. And they're, yep. and they're like owning it as though they've, they've solved some mystery when in fact, all they did was cut, cut someone out of context. Like it's not that hard. Like if you speak on the internet, you're going to be able to be cut out of context. And so I think that people need to put a value back on really understanding other people's perspectives. This is what I try to do when I'm teaching people how to speak socialist, because, you know, I don't agree with socialists. I don't like socialists, but I will sit there and listen to socialists and I will do my very best to understand what they mean by it. Not what I mean, but what they mean. And if you don't understand your enemy, you can never defeat them. You know, going back to the whiteness example that you brought up earlier, when you make it like, this is actually a perfect example because the right chases this stuff down all the time where they're like, they want to they want to exterminate all white people they want to genocide all white people they're running around complaining about a problem over here that is not related to what the actual problem is because the problem is about systemic racism and capitalism so the right's over here complaining about how white people are the poor victims of the world while the left is over here trying to destroy our entire way of life it's a distraction when you don't understand what your enemy is saying because you're very literally fighting the wrong problem and the left loves it when we fight the wrong problem because it just means they get more power in the area that they actually care about so do you think that the left like uh enjoys libs of tiktok and 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 these things that put out all of this like outrage like i mean honestly a lot of that stuff is outrageous and crazy and then she shares it and then other people share it and other people share it but since the last time you were on i've been watching it and i'm wondering what I, i understand it but but I don't think it's helping anything. And it's certainly taking up a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, Libs of TikTok back in the day when all Libs of TikTok was doing was posting these cringe TikTok videos. You can look at it. You can have a laugh, like whatever. But 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 what people need to understand is like a lot of those TikTok videos aren't real. Like they're not real. They're literally just made by people who want to be influencers on TikTok that are saying these crazy things on oh, TikTok. Oh, that's interesting. Reflective okay. of what's actually going on in the real world. And then and then you say, well, Carlin, they're showing this real stuff. Okay, they are, but but there is a much bigger picture that's going uh-huh. on where wow. no one is actually trying to solve the problem of the things that they're showing. They're just trying to lives if TikTok's only goal is to make people outraged to make money. Like, that's what it is. Like, she's making millions and millions of dollars by outraging people to get them to click and retweet and comment and say, I'm so angry about this thing. That's what the goal is. And so what people need to understand is that, you know, like with 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 content like that, the left loves it. Like That's what I figure. Now, when I see it, I think this is a whole day. This is going to be a whole day of people sharing this and being outraged by this and and demanding the end of this. And you're going to see Matt Walsh and Megyn Kelly and all these people comment and share. And it's like, okay, well, what's the solution to these people out there? 
because right. because as much as we see it and we're outraged, I don't see that much um, organizing or anything to counter it. Right. And what you got to understand is when you go inside leftist events and for people who may be watching that are new to me, like I go in undercover at socialist events. I awesome. I go into their private places. I hear them talk when there are no cameras and all that stuff. They love libs of TikTok. They love Moms for Liberty. They love all of this stuff. They love Matt Walsh. They love all of the complaining that happens over Dylan Mulvaney and Jeffrey Marsh. They love all of it and they use it to their advantage. They are not afraid of it. They do not think it's making a dent. In fact, what it is doing is it's pissing off their grassroots level activists because and then they get them all riled up and they get even more activated than they were before. And so every time the right is, again, distracted by a problem over here, it's like it's like the magician is over here doing the magic trick. The magician's assistant is over here twirling around in a little sparkly outfit where, with her boobs popping out or like whatever. Right, right. The right's following the boobs when the magician is over here doing the trick. Right. We've got to start looking at the magician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think it was Colonel McGregor. Somebody the other day or yesterday was saying like, you know, at this point, the government is Wizard of Oz. Like who's behind the curtain? We don't know, but but somebody is. And we're all kind of in this kind of idea that it's the all-powerful Oz. And really, we're not even really deciphering exactly what's going on at this point. Now, what do you make of, so this is a, a different level, but it's because of your background I ask you this. Um, so this is this is kind of out of your realm, but kind of in it. So uh, you and I obviously both have watched the media become completely, uh, you know, it's I call it the intel media. It is not media. It is is absolutely disgusting, in my opinion, having gone to school for it uh, initially and seeing what it's become. But I will tell you, um, there's a very bizarre thing going on with not just with um, the media talking heads on all the networks, including Fox folks, but also uh, with Car Jean Pierre and Kirby and all these. They literally, and even Biden himself, they get up there and they tell you that something isn't real. That is absolutely real. You know it's real. It's affecting your life, whether it's Bidenomics or the border or Hunter Biden or whatever. And they just repeat it over. I mean, it feels like Goebbels, like the, the big lie. But at this point, they know they're lying. Okay. So they jump every time Jean Pierre says, let me be clear. I know a lie is coming. But, you know, it's like, so they're all lying, but they are very much stuck to there's no evidence. It's not real. Bidenomics is great. What is going on here? It is so beyond. Do do people? Do you think the majority of people see this or or what? Because I, I mean, it's uh, it, it's amazing. Like nobody wants to be a skeptical journalist anymore. They're all in on. There's no evidence of anything at all, and everything we're seeing and hearing is is not right, and they're right, and we're wrong. It's it's bizarre. No, I mean, there are no real journalists so far, it's, except for independent journalists. Independent journalists are the only people I will listen to. I will only look at primary sources like, you know, right. so be because especially in the mainstream media, and this is true on the right and the left, oh, yeah. there are no in, there are no critical journalists anymore. It's just all about like, I want to tell a story that's going to outrage my audience or is that's going to advance a narrative that I want advanced. They're lying to their audiences. They're yeah. lying. They know they're lying. There are people in their audience that know they're lying. They know that there are people who know that they're lying and they don't care right. because most people don't know that they're lying. And I, you know, I think back to when, you know, I don't know when you woke up to all this smell, but like I, I was pretty like I was not paying attention. I was not paying attention up until like like 2018 or something when social justice started to take over my knitting community. And then slowly it took me another year and a half to like realize I was being lied to. And it was just like before that I would have MSNBC on my house all day. 
Like wow. I would have it on all day and I would just be like, oh, these people are telling me the truth or or like I knew it was politically slanted, but I didn't know how politically slanted it was. And I didn't know that they were flat out lying to me because I was so busy with other things. Like right. I think about rich people. I say that like, you know, it's not that people are stupid about what's going on. It's that people are busy. And they don't have time to focus on what's actually going on. And you know this as well as anyone, when you're looking at primary source documents as your only news source, that takes a long time. I know it's it. Not, it's not something you can do and have a full-time job and have a family and have kids and be digging into documents and videos on the weekends or whatever. Yeah. And so it's it's really difficult for people to be able to ascertain like what is theater and the media is theater versus what is what is real life. And you know, I always tell people just like turn off the news. Stop yeah. watching it. Stop watching both sides. Like, I agree. Honestly, I agree a hundred percent, honestly, and find the people that you that consistently are correct. Because another thing that happens, and it's on both sides, are these predictor people. But they predict something is going to happen, and it's going to happen next week, or it's going to happen ne- ne- in, in, tomorrow, or whatever, and it never happens. And then they move the ball. This happens a lot, also with uh, because I, I, there's one of my tours. There's a lot of uh, evangelicals on it that are talking Bible prophecy that never comes true either. And, um, and so at the same time, you know, it's like, and, but the people that are really committed to these, to following these, these type of people, they can in their mind readjust and, and come up with a reason that that was wrong. And then that was wrong again. And then that, but they're still following that person. Cause that person's the person they follow. So, you know, like I say to everyone, if, if, if consistently somebody is wrong, they're wrong. <laughs> stop following them um now uh i did want to also that's funny you say that about about when you woke up uh because i was a writer in la and uh, in mid to people don't don't really realize this in probably 2003 2004 i always say that they built the death star in hollywood but what was very very covert in hollywood especially about uh all of this ideology but also the i mean there it goes real dark uh was uh brought into the light. It was overt. A, a lot of the sexualization of children at the same time, but certainly the LGBTQ plus uh, kind of dominating Hollywood. I mean, on the highest level, I mean, the executives, the CEOs, the the most powerful agents suddenly were all gay and that's fine, but it really did seem to like really take over. And then they weren't just gay, like my friends, they were activists, you know, they, they were doing that and it was in your, it was obvious. And then the same thing, BLM was very big in the early two thousands in LA as well. So the, the way I saw it was I would go in and pitch a project or a script or me and my partner. And then they'd be like, well, can you change this character? And this one needs to be this and you take out this storyline. And then we were talking to other friends or directors that couldn't get jobs anymore. And everyone was like, Something's going on. And, and that's what that's that's what I'm saying. Just like in politics, these aren't just gay people or straight people or black people or white people. These are activists that are getting into these positions. And it now it's happened all the way across the board. So I'm pretty sure that whoever's running uh, NBC now or the same people that were running the agencies in, in L.A., they weren't running them to create talent or create product or to make money. They really have replaced almost everyone in all these institutions at, with activists. And what's scary is I think they're socialist activists. Oh, yeah. I mean, and a lot of them don't know where this ideology comes from. But I, you know, I've, I've been thinking about like this, this Taylor Swift thing a lot lately. And like, I don't I don't understand Taylor Swift. I, I don't either at all. I don't watching, get but it. Like, I'm like, she is not a musical genius. I'm sorry. She's just not. She's a she's a skinny girl that dresses up in sparkly outfits and plays catchy songs, whatever. But they're pushing Taylor Swift 
everywhere. Why? Because Taylor Swift is going to show for Biden in the in the 2024 election or or Gavin Newsom when he eventually replaces Biden and, and all that stuff. But it is like it is a machine. People don't realize this. Like once you're able to see through like the machine, um, like it's just it is it is about advancing a narrative at all times. And it's not just on the left that's doing this. The right does this, too. Like I have I have right leaning shows that will not talk about my content because they've created these talking points about me where it's like, she just gets in fights on the internet. Well, who am I getting in fights with? I'm literally getting in fights with socialists and you're complaining that I'm getting in fights with socialists and that's too much for you. And so it's like, but they won't push my content because it is inconvenient to their narrative because of a lot of the things that I teach people not only expose the left, it also exposes the right who has lied to their audience for years about who the Marxist is and what the socialists are, what, who the socialists are and what they're actually doing. And so if they pushed my content, they would be admitting that they lied to their audience for years. So they won't do it. Well, that might be possible. But the thing I love about your content, especially your Twitter, and if you're not following her on Twitter and you watch me, you should. I mean, it's so entertaining and she's so good at breaking down like the actual truth of things. But I have to say, you do respond to everyone. A lot of these people that that do what you do or try to do what you do, they, they don't read their comments at all. Like you are totally accessible and you answer questions and stuff. And it's, it takes a lot of time. Like you said, the work that you do and people have to understand, cause I, I know the same is hundreds of hours of work. You know, it's, it's not, it's, you're not just watching videos and, and letting it go. You're going through the websites, you're going through the documents, you're figuring out what's happening. And this is really crucial work. And I'm not surprised. Honestly, I do not think that there's a left or right. And quite honestly, I think there are both sides have uh, at least the DNC, RNC, Act Blue, Win Red. These are all multi-billion dollar corporations. Like um, I, I've done shows, I'm sure you know the book, uh, uh, Tragedy and Hope by Carol Quigley, where he's he's one of them. And, and people think that book's a warning. No, no, no. That book is is somebody who's in on it. The Georgetown professor that was, uh, you know, the mentor supposedly to, to Clinton. He's telling you about the super class and what they think and everything. And in that, in that, book he talks a lot about we got to keep the left and right looking like they're on different sides and every year we pass the football to the other side but really you know well it's just the elite <laughs> that are choosing and running right. it so i think that that's something that's still being missed because what bothers me and like i said i was at two uh, uh, events this past weekend for one conservative and one for um you know kind of a conservative light and uh, none of them really are, to me, in my opinion, uh, defining the stakes of, of allowing the people that you're talking about to win. What are the stakes uh, for this nation, yeah. say, if the people that you are watching, and, and I want my audience to know what she's doing. First of all, it is a little dangerous, and I do, I do pray for you when I see you going. But B, it is huge, that movement, and people are in total denial but what are the stakes for the rest of us that would just like the government to do their job and be left alone? Yeah. So first off, what I would say is what people don't understand is what the left is doing is they have gotten control of the institutions through institutional power, not through political power. So the difference in that is political power is about winning an election and getting put into office, right? Institutional power is where you get yourself a job that is very difficult to get fired from, where you can sit in that job for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter what the public says or who votes on what you are in that job. That is how the left has gained power. They have institutional power over the schools, over the media, over entertainment, over the government in these yeah. non-elected positions, these like like bureaucratic positions. This is why Anthony Fauci was in the government and the highest paid person in the government for a long time because of institutional power. 
They're using that institutional power against you to institute laws and policies right now that are that, first of all, you're probably not going to find out about until well after they're implemented. Secondly, are extremely hard to get off the books. This is how they're doing all of the attacks on parental rights. They're instituting laws and policies in school districts and school boards and through through the state government, things like that, that you don't know about until it's too late. So what is the impact of this? The timeline that I've laid out is, I think at the rate we're going, we're going to be in the Marxist utopia by 2050. At the latest, um, I don't think it's going to be 2030. I know why people are saying 2030, but no, I've 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 have it out a little bit longer than that. We can have that argument later. All right. No, there's a 2050 document too. The 2030 document oh. is the dream. Yeah. No. I, I, I think it's going to happen by 2050, and that that's purely based on their rate of acceleration um, wow. since they came over and set up shop at the Frankfurt School of Columbia University. Exactly. What that means when the left wins, you will not own a home. You will not own a rental property that you can rent out as a landlord. You will not have parental rights over your children. You will not be able to own a private business. You will be completely reliant on the state for all education, for all health care, for your food, for your electricity. And they also are going to take away all your individual liberties as well because they consider those to be private property as well. This is not a joke. And and I know I I know like I feel crazy when I'm talking about this. Sometimes no, it's true. I watch. I see what you're doing. You're talking from real stuff. You 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 yeah. bring the receipts. There is nothing about what you're saying that is even close to to fiction. <laughs> like, no, it's all real, and it's right. happening right in front of us. And it's going to impact everyone. If you want to have and raise a family, you're not going to be able to do that. That's what we're talking about here. Now let me ask you because um. I don't know if you've been you've been seeing this, but I've been talking about it for two years. These cop conferences are totally bonkers and they're all about transfer of wealth to them. Not not the way that your socialist uh, people are talking about. It is to the billionaire. I call them the international banking cartel. They're the people that run the world um, World Bank, IMF, BIS, and then, you know, all the all the uh, offshoots of the U.N. and stuff. But um, what they're talking about now pushing in and this sounds what's crazy about this is it sounds like what you, what the socialists want, but it's not them. It's somebody else. And I, I wonder if you've heard any chatter about this. So the SEC, uh, along with Bloomberg, who is is, you know, definitely in the billionaire globalist oligarchy. People think because he was a good mayor in New York that he's not one of them. He is absolutely one of them. So him, Kerry, uh, Al Gore, right when Biden came into office, went to Glasgow for a meeting and they talked about something called the natural asset class, uh, a new uh, and natural asset companies, a new entry onto the New York Stock Exchange in partnership with the New York Stock Exchange, of course, uh, Bloomberg, the Rockefeller Foundation, um, and obviously the Biden regime is in on this. So uh, come January, uh, two years later, the SEC has proposed to add a natural asset class to the New York Stock Exchange, which would be natural asset companies. And if you look at what this is, this is the government giving all land, water, air, oceans, cyberspace, humans, animals, insects, whatever it is, every natural resource, every single natural resource to these kind of made up companies out of the WEF or wherever they're from, you know, the billionaire oligarch companies, so that then they can protect them from climate change. Uh, and then, but then they also talk about this will be a $500 trillion, you know, windfall for them. It's going to be on the stock exchange, of course. But what it's really saying is that all natural resources, including humans, uh, will be managed by them. 
Um, have you heard anything about this natural asset class? Or I think this goes in line with the 30 and 30, Agenda 2030. Because if you were a socialist and you were saying, we're going to take over everything, great. But it's the opposite of what they want because it's the billionaires taking it over. Well, and that's exactly right. And that's why I think the, these two groups are going to fight at some point, because it's like they kind of want the same thing, but they don't want it for each other. They want it for their select groups. Right. So I haven't heard anything about this, but it, it makes total sense to me because there is I think that that I mean, obviously, we see climate change being pushed everywhere. I do think that there is going to be a war over who gets to control the natural the natural resources or whatever who gets to control this agenda and utilize it for their own purposes. Socialists would tell you that they want to get the billionaire class out of it entirely so that the resources can be used by the people when in fact what they mean is that they want to control the resources and that they want to control who has access to these resources. But it's the same with the billionaire class. Now, right. what I will say for the, for the socialists is I don't actually think that they have a profit motive in mind for this stuff because I do, gen I do I, they want control over it, but they don't think about it in terms of profit or money. But the billionaire class, they do they think do. about it in terms of oh, profit yeah. and money. And so that's where we see kind of like the differences between those two groups in terms of their overall motivations. Yeah, it's so crazy, though, because I was reading that and I was thinking a little bit because I just watched a different show of yours. And I was thinking a little bit like this is exactly what they want, but they don't want this. But they, no, it is for profit. Uh, the entire I, I went through the entire cop conference. I've gone through all the last three. All there. It is all about transfer of wealth. We talked last time about inclusive capitalism. I'm sure since then you've seen it pop up more and more. They're really putting it into the the vernacular. But again, that also it is socialism, and it goes with what you're saying. But it's the billionaires that want to in institute it, meaning that they will run it, and we will own nothing and be happy under their guise. Is they will own everything and be incredibly wealthy, even more than they are now. So it's like two totally different things. And I agree with you. I think at this point, whatever's going on, it's going to be all these different factions fighting against each other for who runs everything. And then at the end, nobody's going to run anything. It's going to be a disaster. But that's that's a, we're, we're saying 2050. <laughs> Um, but uh, at the same time, so where we are now, because you have a lot of background and uh, in your education and your and your doctorate and everything is in something that actually might be able to help this country. Um, so I did want to ask you, and I know you're not necessarily a fan of him, but uh, what is happening to Donald Trump at this point? Okay. <laughs> I don't care how you feel about Donald Trump. Okay. First of all, in my opinion, people that don't like him, because every other Monday I do a show with a bunch of libertarians where I'm the only conservative, which I'm not, but um, where four of them were like, didn't even, these are people that don't even want to vote at all, but now they're all kind of feeling like, well, at this point, I feel bad for him. Like it, it's it's like they they might hate him, but at least at this point, whatever the left thinks they're pulling off with this with this lawfare against Trump, what is your take on this from your perspective and watching organization? Because there is somebody, and I believe that it's Eisen and uh, Weissman, a bunch of uh, Podesta, a bunch of the same operatives as always, David Brock, you know, Dunn and and Rosa Brooks, all the transition integrity project folk. What do you think? Don't they under? OK, just give me your take on the whole thing. Okay, so first of all, I want to say I love Trump. I think okay, Trump good. is hilarious. I do. I'm not sure I'm going to vote for him. I don't plan on voting for him, but that's like a separate question. I do actually have a great affinity for Trump. I good think he's great. 
Um, but like, I, I, I agree. It's like, it's like the left is overplaying their hand. And this is one of those things that like, this is a strategic opportunity for the right. The left has severely overplayed their hand. I think this Colorado ruling, uh, taking Trump off the ballot is going to get overruled by the Supreme yeah. court. And like, we have all these states now that are wasting all these resources going after Trump to try to get him off the ballot. It's going to get overruled by the Supreme court. I mean, right. I think that this is pretty obvious for everyone Why to see. The people of these states pissed. I mean, this is costing t- t- millions. In New York, I know I am millions of dollars of their money. So, well, in Colorado specifically, Colorado is severely socialist at this point. It really is. Like the Colorado government, there are actually self-professed socialists in the Colorado state government um, that are, that they like, there was one guy that actually like, he's a teacher that advanced a resolution to get the Colorado Teachers Union to denounce capitalism. Anyway, so it's like, so I, they're wasting this money because they're socialists and they think they can just print money and that, that, you know, that's never going to have any consequence. But I think this is going to backfire. I think that, um. I think that I, you know what I like, I, I, it's hard for me to say how, because I like the, the, the heart of me, I want Trump to win. I really do. Like I want to, I want to see all the crying and the complaining and it would be glorious. I think in my head though, I'm kind of like, they're going to try to do everything they can to keep that from happening again. There is, there is no bigger priority for the establishment class than keeping Donald Trump out of office. Why do do you think, think, why do you think that is? Why do you think, I mean, listen, it's bigger than what people think. Okay, we have to know that. This is not about keeping Trump out of being president. They, they, this is not about hating him. This is, what do you think it is that they are willing, because guess what, if they do lose and he does get in there, uh, they, you know, the tables will turn and they act like, they already act like they're going to win because they already know what they're going to do. But what do you think this is really about? I mean, it can't just be about this one man. No, it's not. It's about power and control. It's about power and control. Like in 2016, they thought they had mollified the populace enough to where people would just vote for Hillary and that would just be that. And it's so stupid that Trump's even running anyway. And listen, back in the day, I was one of those people. I totally get it. Right. But like they're they're like it's not Trump that they're afraid of. It's what Trump represents. It's about it's about the populace rebelling against the establishment machine. This is why you even see Republicans like Lindsey Graham or Mitt Romney come out as being like anti-Trumpers because they're part part of the establishment the two parties are not different so this is not about trump this is about you this is about me it's about everyday people that they're afraid of yeah yeah now let me ask you from your point of view from your background uh of of organizational psychology what are they thinking on the other side every every move that jack smith makes or one of these judges or this in colorado now they want to do it in 25 other states what because they're very organized so this yeah. is not a situation where people are going off like half cocked, like, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it. And I know Eisen's out there and, and Mark Elias and all these guys all over. What do you think their their strategy is? Because it's it's not working. I mean, I really think that they're what they're doing is they're making a lot of people, especially in classes, uh, I think, in the black community, in the legal immigrant community. And, uh, you know, the only thing they're probably still missing is probably women left left women maybe um but there are a lot of people that are just feeling sorry for him it's failing so what do you think their strategy when they have their meetings is I think you got to understand that like, so there, there are echo chambers everywhere, right? I absolutely think there are echo chambers on the right, but there are also echo chambers on the left where they don't listen to people outside of their echo chamber. So they're not hearing people say like, why are you doing this to Trump? This is great. They literally don't 
hear it. Right. They only hear from people saying, this is great. Keep going, get another one and another one. And, and Gavin Newsom is going to be awesome. And like, he won that debate against DeSantis and all this stuff. And it's like, they only listen to people that tell them the things that they want to hear. The same is true on the right too, by the way, they, they do the exact same thing. And so because the left is in this echo chamber where they're only self-reinforcing, they don't see how the American public is responding to this. And I think they're actually probably really confused by it because they're, they they genuinely, they still tr- think that Trump is like a horrible racist Nazi that wants to kill Amazing. all gay and black people who is not who Trump is at all. Um, he's a caricature for them. And so that's really it. It's the echo chambers. And I think that's a, that's, it, it's a, there's a lesson there to learn because like I said, these echo chambers exist on the right too. It's not just on the left. And so we constantly have to be vigilant to make sure we're not feeding our own confirmation bias by listening to a variety of voices, by looking at primary sources, by questioning everything. This is why I provide so many receipts. I don't want people to have to take my word for it. I want people to be able to Me see too. for themselves, decide for themselves. And so you have to question everything from both sides. Okay. Dr. Carlin, I love you. I, I really do. I think you're awesome. And uh, you just make so much sense to me. I, w- I wish you were the loudest voice out there. Hopefully that you will continue to grow and grow and grow. People have to understand. You have to listen to other people. You have to look at what they're saying. What you're saying right now about the Democratic side and and certainly uh, the right. I, I, I'm, I think that the people that are coalescing around Trump, obviously they are not the establishment right. And we are watching this over and over, you know, they were all cheering on this Johnson that came in, you know, after McCarthy or whatever. But if you look at his voting record, he's voted a lot with the left. You might like what he's saying about being pro-life, but uh, nobody, people really don't do the homework that you do. And if you did the homework, you would really get a very different picture of where everyone stands. Just look at what they voted for in the past. You know, you're big on looking at actions. Most people don't even go that far. And, And like I said, there's the Twitter liberties that I think people either follow on either side and then they see them so much in their feed that they literally think that they think what that person's saying is their thoughts. It's we're in a very bizarre, bizarre period in the world. Uh, but you are awesome. And I hope to have you on a lot in 2024. We are in for a wild ride. I do not know what we're going to get thrown at us, but I know that you will be on the front lines of deciphering multiple levels of, of cognitive <laughs> dissidence. Can you tell my audience where to find you, how to follow you and, uh, and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me back. I absolutely love being so on your fun. show. I love I your audience. I love you guys it. are the best, honestly. Um, people can find me on on my Substack. That's my primary content hub. Okay. That is Carlin, K-A-R-L-Y-N dot Substack.com. You can also find me on my main website, ActivelyUnwoke.com. I'm on Twitter or the platform formerly known as Twitter, whatever right. we're calling it now, YouTube, Rumble. And um, yeah, if you guys want to learn about the left, I will certainly teach you. Okay, great. Well, I always kicked off YouTube. So if you are watching me on Rumble right now, go over and follow her there. Uh, You can follow YouTube, but I'm still mad at them. So uh, Carlin, you are awesome. Uh, God bless you. And you, you, your work is, uh, listen, there's going to be few people in the future that I'm going to look at and say, really, really changed my mind and opened my eyes. And you are one of them. Uh, I look forward to the next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy holidays. You too. 
I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better being prepared for whatever's coming. Every day I hear something new. You, something's coming from the CDC. Something's coming from the FDA. The who's trying to take over our, our healthcare system. All this craziness. And what I know is that one man really changed my life, how I look at everything that's happening to me health-wise. And that was Dr. Zelenko. He was a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show. And he came up with the most amazing product. Z-Stack has been a game changer for us. We have not been sick since we've been on it. We take it regularly. If we feel like we're coming down with something, Thing will double up but he has all new products over at the website god rest his soul he did not leave us unprepared and that is very important for you to prepare so he's got z shield he's got a kid z stack which is awesome he's got z flu z detox he's got all kinds of things he always said to me your your immune system must be clean resilient and resistant this matters the most and what i can say on top of that is that he supported me he supported free speech he supported medical freedom he supported personal liberty and everything that I believe in, he believed in. He inspired me to be myself, to speak up, to speak out. And what matters is that you are feeling healthy, whole, clean, clear, focused, and that your immune system is protected from anything that comes our way. And Z-Stack is the best way to do that. Please stock up on Z-Stack. Go to themelkshow.com. Go to our partners page. Goes down to Z-Stack. That also supports the show. When you buy from our partners, these great people, especially Dr. Zelenko, who's dear to me, you are supporting the show and keeping us going. And I know that truth, freedom, and the First Amendment matter to you. They mattered to him. They mattered to me. So make sure you're always healthy. You're always out there. You're always standing up. Be brave. Courage is contagious. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning, and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we, the people of the United States, taking back this nation. This is so exciting, guys. I've been dying to do this, and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.